is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Merry Christmas weekend. Yes, it's here. Now join us for the next hour. It's the Mulberry Lane Show. That's right. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. And we've got a holiday show full of music and fun for you today. Yes, and we hope you're finding time to relax, enjoy family and friends, just like it should be. Uh-huh. Slow down a minute with your radio sisters and hear from some of your favorite artists. Mm-hmm, Rachel, and today we've got fun variety in the bag. Let's get to it, sisters. That's right, Bo. Let's hit it. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, we're going to give you a hint with this one. Recognize this guitar riff? Well, of course many of you do. That's Richie Blackmore with the group Deep Purple. And if you've ever taken a guitar class, you've probably learned that riff. Well, today you're going to hear all about Richie Blackmore's current project. Today you'll meet Candace Knight, Richie's wife, and she's going to tell you all about their collaboration called Blackmore's Night. And they have a new holiday release. Now, the sound of this music is kind of Renaissance rock Christmas. So you're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at what Richie's up to now through the eyes of his wife and how working together inspires their project. Okay, Rachel, who's next? Well, then you guys are really going to be charmed by this next guest. Her name is Elizabeth Chan. She's one of the top-selling holiday artists worldwide, and you're really going to dig her story. sitting at your regular job thinking, is this all there is to life, and you really want to pursue that creative passion, you're going to want to meet Elizabeth. She's got the answers for you. She's going to give you some tips on how to overcome your fear, and you'll hear all about her thriving career and who turned her down that actually turned her career around. You guys are going to love her. Who else, Allie? Okay, well, then it's Rebecca Angel, and you've met her here before on the show. She's here to talk about her holiday single and the upcoming release of her EP. And joining her today is four-time Grammy-winning producer Jason Miles. And with both of them joining you here, you're going to get a pretty good vibe of the producer-artist relationship, especially of an artist who's just starting to take off. Okay, sisters, who's the last car on the holiday train today? (laughs) Well, you guys are going to meet Antherius. Now, this is an interesting story because he's an engineer. He doesn't perform. He's one of those brainiacs that puts music together. So you're going to get an interesting look at how he creates his music. And he's got an album out to add to your holiday collection. Remember, it's not too late. You've got a whole weekend that you got to fill with holiday music. So add Antherius to it. His album is called Distant Christmas. And Christmas is not too distant anymore. <laughs> no. And it's never too late to refresh your holiday playlist. Mm-hmm. 
And guys, this Sunday night, you got to join us for our favorite concert of the year. All four of us sisters, Mulberry Lane Acapella, starting at 11 p.m. downtown Omaha at St. Mary Magdalene Church. 19th and Dodge, we sing for an hour right before midnight mass. We sing your favorite Christmas songs. Now, this concert is free and open to everyone. So come on out, make us a part of your Christmas tradition, and come be a part of ours. Sunday night. We'll be right back with Candace Knight from Blackmore's Night, which features Candace, who's here today, and her husband, Richie Blackmore of Deep Purple and Rainbow. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Music, celebrities, and everything in between. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, award-winning vocalist, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Candace Knight is here with a must-have for your holiday music collection, Blackmore's Night, Winter Carols. Now, this is a Renaissance rock Christmas album which features Candace's lead vocalist and Richie Blackmore of the groups Deep Purple and Rainbow. Now, the album is fantasy music for all ages. Candace stops by your weekend right now to chat all about it. Welcome, welcome to the show, Candace Knights. Hi, I love that intro. Oh, thank you. I love it. Oh my gosh, we guys, we're gonna have to sing together at some point. We will. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'm a little intimidated though. I love the way you guys are singing. It sounds amazing. Oh, thank you. But well, we love your stuff as well. Oh, thanks. Now, thank you. Now, Blackmore's Night is a collaboration between you and your husband, Richie Blackmore. <laughs> so first, we have to know how do you guys work together as husband and wife, and also as a creative team. Just so you know, actually, Blackmore's Night is a seven-piece band because a lot of people when they think just Richie and myself. Like, they think it's going to be, like, an acoustic duo, but we actually have, like, a lot of people <laughs> in oh, our yeah, band, so there. it's not just the two of us, but uh-huh. there's a lot in there. Richie and I, I met him in 1989. I moved in with him in 1991. I went on tour with him in 1993. I was always kind of singing around the house, but I was never the brave, confident one to be like, I'm going to be front and center stage. Everybody look at me. <laughs> I actually went to school for communications because I wanted to be around music. I loved music. It was my, it was my religion. It was my breath. I couldn't live without it. So I went to intern for a radio station out here on Long Island, which was a rock station, and that's how I wound up meeting Richie on a soccer field, of all things. They came to town and and asked us to to play soccer, and and my team was horrible, and his team was awesome because they were European, so they could play soccer a lot better than we than we could. But you won, you won the match. I wound up winning in the long run because I've been with Richie for almost thirty years at this point. I met him when I was eighteen, so wow. it's been a long time, and we still talk to each other. So we're doing something right. That's you know, that <laughs> we still like it. each other. <laughs> so then, how do you guys solve creative differences? We don't talk for about four days, and okay. then. <laughs> We kind of ignore each other in the hallways and stuff like that, you know, and then eventually one of us will cave and start talking again. But we're together 24-7, and I know a lot of people who have been married who, you know, they're so happy when their spouse goes off to work so they can, they can get a break, space. you know. Yes. So it can be a little tricky, but we're, we're actually, we're good. Okay, so, so then how did you yeah. be able to embrace being front and center? The, the whole thing really happened as a very natural evolution. When he asked me to sing, I was on tour with him. He was with Deep Purple. It was in 1993, and he needed a backing vocal part on Difficult to Cure, which was uh, Beethoven's Ninth. 
So he said, do you want to sing this part? And I was like, well, you know, if you think I can handle it, I'll totally do it. So he hid me behind amplifiers and behind draperies, and even the people in the band didn't know that I was singing this part. He just had the roadies set up a microphone. And that was to make you so. feel comfortable, is that right? Yeah, I guess I was kind of like, hold, I was in solitary. Right. <laughs> like far away from anything. So I sang my part, and the ironic thing was the next day we were reading the reviews of the show, and one of the reviewers wrote, oh, I guess John Lord, the keyboard player, must have had a female voice vocalist, you know, put into his keyboard, sampled the female voicing, because we heard somebody, but we didn't see anybody, so, and I'm like, that's me, that's me, (laughs) and and then, exactly, (laughs) then I loved it, but then after that, Richie wound up departing from Deep Purple, and he reformed Rainbow, and I was always kind of like this closet poet, but when Richie got together with Rainbow, they were holed up in this farmhouse up in Massachusetts, and there was like six feet of snow outside, and nobody could travel anywhere. And I remember him calling me on the phone and saying, look, you know, we're having a hard time. The lyricist, uh, the singer was having a hard time coming up with lyrics. He's like, you want to give it a shot? He goes, I'm about to fly in a new lyricist tomorrow, you know, just a professional, just to write some of the stuff. He goes, but do you want to try it and see what you come up with? I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. So he plays me the backing track. And I took the ferry up from Port Jefferson to Bridgeport, Connecticut, driving up to Massachusetts. And that hour and 15 minutes on the ferry of doing nothing but listening to the song and looking out at the water, and I came up with, like, 14 verses. Wow. So, yeah, so I got to the other side. I'm like, all right, guys, what do you think? You know, totally expecting them to just be like, ah, thanks anyway. And instead, they circled four of the verses. They pieced together two other verses to make the chorus, and they came up with the song uh, Black Masquerade. So, so it was thanks I, to I, the I, big snowstorm thing. Once again, thanks to Mother Nature. (laughs) (laughs) I wound up co-writing four songs on that CD, which was called Stranger in Us All. And all the other guys were in there doing the tracks, doing their rock tracks. Richie and I would be sitting in front of a raging fireplace with his acoustic guitar, watching the snow fall down outside, and worlds away from the rock world of, you know, what they were creating in the studio. And we were just coming up with acoustic music, just the two of us. And that's really what kind of began our whole journey. It was an escape from the pressures of the rock world and the corporate rock world that had happened, you know, back in that era. Since when Richie first started, you know, rock music and the whole music industry was way different than it is now. Each person had so much identity, you know, like you could hear Hendrix and Cream and Deep Purple and and Jethro Tull and Procol Harum, and the second they came on the radio, you'd know exactly who it was. And, you know, over the years, I feel like musicians kind of lost their ways and and corporations got involved and needed demos to approve or not to approve and wanted to approve titles and by that point Richie was like you know what do you mean we have to send in demos I've been doing this for 30 years <laughs> you know and uh, so it was a totally different world but he and I really started creating Blackmore's Night just from escaping the stress and pressures of the corporate world if you've just joined us here on the Mulberry Lane Show, you're listening to Candace Knight of Blackmore's Night talking about how the group came together and their latest holiday release Winter Carols. Now that started kind of as a project for family and friends. So when did it become something you were going to release? Well, Winter Carols, we originally released in 2006, and everybody fell in love with our interpretation of these songs that were hundreds of years old at that point. And a lot of times that's what Blackmore's Night, our our regular band, does anyway. We'll take songs from the 12th to the 15th century. Richie's a a purist at heart, so he loves listening to purist medieval and Renaissance music. But what we do is we take songs from that era and we add new instrumentation. I'm usually the the lyrical girl, so I I write new lyrics to it. He's more in control of the music. I play about nine medieval woodwind and renaissance instruments 
at this point, all the woodwinds instruments. Okay. And so I'll do like sh- things that nobody's ever heard of. People, when they come up to me and they say, oh, do you play an instrument? And I say, yeah, the Sean, the Roush Five, the Corn Muse, they, they kind of glaze over and walk <laughs> away because if it's, you know, if it's not guitar or drums or bass, they don't know what to say to you. So did you, did you learn these instruments or was this something that you had done before? It all came out of necessity. Because Night Project? For Blackmore's okay. Night, exactly. And each one of the albums of over the last 20 years, each album is sort of a snapshot in time as to what you were at that moment. Yes. You know, like the first album we came out with, I, I could hear, you know, the naivete in my voice. I could hear the innocence, you know, 20 years later when I've been touring and singing for this long and, and probably yelling at my kids at some point. Like, it definitely built on my vocal range. Yeah, got, got a little more grit. <laughs> got a little rasp there going on, exactly. And then do you have a favorite song on the album? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the song that I really feel came out the best is Good King Wenceslas. We really gave it, like, this whole new new feeling to it. I, it just kind of gives me goosebumps whenever I hear it. So it's between that and, of course, Christmas Eve, our song Christmas Eve, which I really feel embodies the whole spirit of the season and kind of brings you back to the wonder and the beauty and the magic of being a child again and, and what the season should really be about. Not the pressure of, you know, the gift buying and all the rest right. of it, but really yeah. seeing those rainbow lights everywhere and the warmth of the holiday and, and having your family around you and those just those beautiful moments. And I really think that Christmas Eve kind of really holds on to those moments in, in music, you know, within the song. I love that. And that's a perfect place to leave it with that sentiment. And we'll play that song now. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, please do. Thank you. And Candice, we want to thank you so much for joining the show. It's great to hear about the music. And, you know, you'll have to let us know if you guys come touring around this area and we'll chat again. Yeah. Thanks, guys, so much. Thanks. I really had a good time. Thanks. That's Candace Knight with Blackmore's Night, her project with her husband, Richie Blackmore. Gotta check out their latest release, Winter Carols 2017 Edition. Be right back with more holiday music, artist Elizabeth Chan. Keep hanging out this festive season with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. and everything in between. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Elizabeth Chan was an executive at one of the country's premier media companies, but six years ago, she quit to pursue her passion, Christmas music. Now, after forming Merry Bright Music, Elizabeth has written and recorded six Christmas albums, including her latest, Songs for Noel. Now, if you've ever thought about reinventing your life around your passion, you need to meet Elizabeth Chan. Elizabeth Chan, hear her tell about the songs for Noel. Wow, thank you for having me. What a great intro. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the show. So now before we talk about songs for Noel, share with us what made you change directions in life six years ago. It was very simple, and I'm sure it's like so many people who are listening right now. You, you get to work, and you sit at your desk. And it's like Groundhog's Day. Uh-huh. And you, you come back to your desk and you're like, is this it? Is this my life? 
Am I just going to toil away for somebody else my entire life? Is this how I live my life for the next like 10, 20 years and then I retire? Is that what it's supposed to be? And I guess that wasn't good enough for me. I wasn't having like the greatest time at my job and I always had this like nagging feeling that I was meant to do something else. Okay. It really started with this like very visceral gut feeling that I was in the wrong place. Okay, now a lot of people have that gut feeling, but they never act on it, you know, because it's a risk. So what made you actually take that leap? Really what made me take the leap was a really bad day with my boss and a lot of drinks with my coworkers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a very good internet access later that night looking for a new job. I saw this ad in a job listing website that said, if you could do anything and knew that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And I guess I had a few drinks in me, and I said, wow, I, I've always wanted to write a famous Christmas song and learn how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And this is absolutely the truth. Ever since I was a little girl, I've always wanted to write Christmas music. But nobody in my life encouraged that as, like, a true career path. I sent that email to somebody. I didn't even know. I was so drunk, it didn't even matter. Right, I like, right. <laughs> and I, I was applying for jobs. I feel so sorry for the people I was applying jobs to at that moment, but whatever. <laughs> well, it you where you wanted to be, so. Yeah, it's, I told the universe, and the universe came back, and the person that came back to speak with me was Morgan Spurlock, and he wanted to do a documentary on me learning how to write a Christmas song, and that's how it started. Wow. Okay, so then you formed Mary Bright Music. So where was I this did. along the path? I didn't really want to start a record label. I only wanted to write Christmas music. I okay. didn't want to be an artist. So I thought, great, I'll be a composer. And I started submitting songs to different artists for their Christmas projects. And I got very far with RCA, and I was asked to submit songs for Kelly Clarkson's Christmas album. And I was so excited. And I submitted seven songs to Kelly, and I got an email back saying that none of these songs were hits, and they were going to pass. Wow. And I was crestfallen. How long ago was this? This was like five years ago. Okay. I was crestfallen, and one of my mentors at the time, uh, Steve Lillywhite, I told him that, you know, I was done. Like, I wasn't meant to make it in the music business, and I was going to go back to my other job. And he was like, Elizabeth, no, don't let other people tell you that your songs aren't hits, because they are. And you know what? Screw them. Like, you should just do what you want. Do a Kickstarter and, and be the artist. You can sing. You're pretty. You could do this. And I was like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, Kickstarter? You know, I had no other choice, though, because nobody else was going to give me the chance. So I had to give myself the chance. I started a Kickstarter. My friends and family and some random people on Kickstarter read my story. They gave me the initial money to record my first album. And later that year, alongside Kelly Clarkson's album, was me. I was right next to her on the first Christmas chart. And that's how I got started. After they had passed on your song to be right up there. Yeah, if she didn't reject me, I wouldn't have the career and the business and and the life that I have right now. Uh Elizabeth Chan here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now, what would you say to that person who is in that position where they hate their job and, you know, they have this creative passion that they push down? What words of advice do you have for that person? Don't let fear guide you because you know how much money it takes to live a certain amount of days and you know how many days it takes to make a certain amount of money but you never know how much time you have to truly accomplish everything that you want in your life Mm -hmm. and if you let fear guide you you'll never find where you're supposed to be because sometimes the most amazing places are also the scariest roads Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be easy 
But if you just stick with it and have a lot of faith, you'll get to where you, you want to be. Fear does loom at times. How did you overcome it? I'll tell you, like my first year of being a composer after I quit my job where I was making great money, had a steady paycheck, great benefits. Once I threw that out the window, I watched my savings dwindle. It was very scary. I mean, my first Christmas as a Christmas composer, I was so broke, I couldn't even afford a Christmas tree. And I remember sitting in my living room during Christmas thinking, why would I sacrifice my own Christmas happiness for this? Have I gone mad? (laughs) So you were questioning your decision in yourself. And that's when I was just started writing. I didn't even, like, really put out my music yet. I was just trying to, like, get songs to other artists. Uh Um, You have to celebrate the wins, the small wins. And before you know it, the wins come more frequently. Uh And you kind of just have to, like, just focus on the positive things and not dwell on the negative things. I did everything I possibly could to just maintain. And year after year, my music business would grow and grow. And now I have the business that I have. And, you know, I'm one of the top most played Christmas artists in in the world. Isn't that amazing? Let's talk about your latest album, Songs for Noelle. Now, you recently had a daughter, and Noelle is your daughter. And you were recording when you were pregnant. So how did that change things for you? Oh, my God. My vocal booth became so much smaller when I was, like, <laughs> seven and a half months pregnant uh, trying to feel sing these. that one. You know, the album I curated and I produced with my daughter in mind as my inspiration. So to have her with me in that way uh-huh. during the recording of the album was really special. And to this day, when she hears the song, she still recognizes it. You know, yesterday we heard one of my songs on the radio, and and she's only a few months old, and she gives me this look where she knows it's me. She She recognized it, yeah. She does. When I was producing the album, there were a few themes that really stuck to me. Uh, One of them was the lack of sleep I was going to get in the next year. I I did a version of All Through the Night, which is a Christmas song and lullaby. I thought about all the toys I would have to buy from now until she's at least 18 years old. Right. I I did a version of What Child Is This Uh with a new verse that I wrote for her. So... It's just because when I was very surprised when I found out I was pregnant and I was on tour last Christmas. I was just like, what child is this? Is this my child? <laughs> you know, during Christmas, I'm like, my child? Um, and, and, of course, the single is Ghost of Christmas Past, which is one of my most favorite songs I've ever written. Now, what inspired that one? My grandmother. Okay. And just going back to what Christmases were like when I was a child, uh-huh. now that I have a child of my own, uh-huh. just understanding how she will understand Christmas and how Christmases will evolve just had me going back uh, retrospectively and I connected with this thought of, you know, even though our Christmases change, we can always go back. We'll always have our memories and those ghosts of Christmas past always come with us Uh every year, you know? Yeah, beautiful sentiment. So now where can people learn more about you, Elizabeth? Definitely visit my website, LizChanChristmas.com. Or you can reach out to me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Liz Chan Music. Well, I love your story. It's, it's wonderful to talk to someone who has switched paths, reinvented themselves, and been so successful. And I'm sure it's very inspirational to our listeners as well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's Christmas singer-songwriter Elizabeth Chan. When we come back, you're going to catch up with singer Rebecca Angel. And with her this time is four-time Grammy Award-winning producer Jason Miles. Sit tight. We'll be right back with more holiday music for you here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Snow is falling down, covering my ground like a brand new page 
For me to tell a story About another time Not so long ago I thought that I had nothing But I had it all When I was worried about what was under the tree It left me blind to see the gifts in front of me her here before. Rebecca Angel has a few new projects in the works. You're going to hear all about them. And with her today is four-time Grammy award-winning producer Jason Miles, who has worked with jazz greats Roberta Flack and Miles Davis. And he's going to put the producer spin on this project. Welcome, welcome to the show, Rebecca and Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so now, We're Rebecca, happy to be here. you've got a lot of things going on right now. One of them is the re-release of the song, My Favorite Time of the Year, and you're also putting together an EP. Talk about the music on the EP. So for the EP, I have a couple cover songs. I have the song Stand By Me. We have Jet Samba, which I already released. Okay. Another Brazilian song. Yeah. Let's bring Jason into the conversation. Now, Jason, you've produced... Rebecca for a few years now and I'm sure you've seen her grow as an artist and you are pretty excited about this EP. Well, I think that I'm excited because I think we're in a direction that puts Rebecca in her own space Mm -hmm. and that space is a space of like artists like Charday and Bebel Gilberto. Which is a very cool space because, you know, it offers a lot of growth for you as an artist too, Rebecca. Did you go to Jason with these songs in mind? Did you two work on them together? How did the whole EP kind of take shape, Rebecca? So basically, you know, I just graduated from college. So I've been at school the past four years. Which can be um, a distraction to a music career. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. So I've been working with Jason since I was like 15. Uh So I'm 22 now. Basically, in the beginning, you know, he would bring some songs to me. Sometimes I'd have a song I'd want to do a cover of. But for this EP specifically, I did a version of Stand By Me on my loop machine. Okay. And I sent it to him and he thought it was really cool. So that kind of sparked the EP a little bit. Okay. Um, and then we had already recorded the song Jet Samba and so we thought, oh, you know, they're different genres, but they fit this similar vibe. Just to cut in, you should also mention that, you know, Jet Samba is a song written by Marcos Valley, who's written right. the second most popular song ever recorded from Brazil, Summer Samba. Okay. And he's a global artist, and he gave me the song, you know, to put English lyrics on that nobody's ever mm-hmm. done before. And so I played it for Rebecca, and he sent me English lyrics, and I thought, you know, this is a great way to introduce Rebecca to the marketplace, an original song by one of the best composers in the world for a new Mm -hmm. artist. I mean, that's kind of a good endorsement over there. We also took that song, and we made a remix of it, just like percussion and Rebecca's vocal was very minimal. Mm -hmm. So we're using that as well, but Rebecca also scats really great. Okay. And... 
you know, me, I found a song that was done a number of years ago by these two Brazilian women, and it, it, it's not easy. It's a hard song, and she just killed it. It's called Agora Sim, and <laughs> that's on the project also. And then she has a really mm -hmm. good original tune called Feel Alive that her father wrote, but she kind of brought her life into it and really made it work, and that's also really great. So awesome. I'm very excited about, you know, the possibilities. <laughs> we have a lot of work left to do, but she's so on her way to creating her own character. So with her voice, she's yes. able to go and know, oh, that's Rebecca. Because uh -huh. she's not sounding like everybody else because the material isn't like everybody. <laughs> it's so important right. to have your own unique sound as an artist. So now, Rebecca, in right. the studio, you know, especially with this kind of music, your delivery and timing is so important. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you ha have developed, you know, a really good ear for that. So, you know, how have mm. you developed that part of singing? That timing has to be right for that kind of music. Well, I think a few things really helped me. First of all, you know, going to music school, we really intensively learn about rhythm. So we have like a whole system for learning how to speak rhythm. Okay. So that was kind of like the first thing that started to help me get my ear around, you know, that sort of learning. And then also just listening to like a lot of instrumental music, a lot of instrumental solos for the Brazilian stuff, listening to a bunch of different Brazilian artists and kind of seeing how they phrase and how they back phrase. And, I bet that um, was fun research. So observing that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's definitely a lot harder. Like, they make it sound so effortless, but right. it's, it's a lot of work to get there. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then Jason, as you've seen her mm -hmm. grow and develop her vocals and timing and rhythm and everything throughout the years that you've worked with her, I bet that has been really gratifying as a producer to watch that growth. It has been, because let's face it, at the beginning when she was 15, I was like, okay, well, this is nice, you know, and, and I'll get her <laughs> some of this, make it work, and, you know, and I was like surprised, wow, you know, I mean, she's got something here, and when she went to school, she really started growing in leaps and okay. bounds, because she was now in a more creative community mm -hmm. with different people there, and she could always come back to me, because, you know, I, I've got my, you know, 50, 100,000 hours in this business, uh, <laughs> knowing kind of, you know, where things flow, and I just wanted to give her, like, a freedom to go and find herself right. and, and find what it is. Then I could go, and I could really hone in and see what the story is, and we can create something for her. That's my job, uh -huh. you know? Sure. Well, if you guys have just joined us, you're listening to singer-songwriter Rebecca Angel and four-time Grammy Award-winning producer Jason Miles here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Jason, you know, as a producer, what do you look for in who you work with? <laughs> I look for commitment. I look for stability and how they feel about themselves. You know, obviously the talent is the most important thing, but there are a lot of talented people out there. It's just do they have what's inside to really see it through in these days and difficult right. days in the business? If you mm -hmm. have got that, and like, you know, I, Rebecca's coming up with ideas, and I see the commitment in mm -hmm. her, and so if she's willing to go there, I'm willing to go there. You know, these days, they're creating instant artists, no matter right. what, you know. Right. Everybody sounds the mm -hmm. same. They're all phrasing the same. They're all singing the same freaking song. And then that's in jazz also, you know. Everybody coming mm -hmm. out is singing standards. Oh, they're singing this. Oh, they want to be Diana, you know. They want to be this. You know, I knew Diana before she was Diana, <laughs> and she didn't know she was Diana. <laughs> she was a great right. piano player who could sing, you know. Uh -huh. And, you know, when you see something, you know, you know... They're like, if they're willing to go and show what they've got, I'm willing to go there also. You know, I'm very fortunate. I've been in the room with amazing people. I, I produced Sting and, you know, worked with Luther and produced Vanessa Williams. 
Susan and, you've and seen, Freddie Cole. You've seen the magic come together many times. I've seen amazing magic come together. That's why I'm trying to help younger artists like Rebecca and a couple of other people, uh-huh. you know, see the possibilities and then just know that there are no rules that's going to make it successful for her. Right. She's got to go and put mm-hmm. the time in. Because I said this, if I could get to where I'm at right now, I never, you know, in my dreams, you know, could believe that I would be in the studio or on stage live playing in amazing places all around the world. I mean, it is possible. You just got to believe. Mm-hmm. And, and I know she's got it in her. I, I really do. Yeah. And she didn't send me a check last night to say all this. You can tell it comes from the heart. <laughs> and then, Rebecca, you've been traveling around, been on tour for a little bit different reason now, right? Oh, yeah. Since graduating school, obviously we were working on recording and everything, and then I've been traveling on a U.S. road trip the past two months, you know, re-inspiration of writing more music. So now are you performing along the road, or is this just more of a road trip to get creatively inspired? (laughs) More like to get creatively inspired, camping and seeing a lot of natural parks. Um, Are you documenting all this on social media? Yeah, we have a blog, actually. It's called RebeccaJonah.com. It's me and my boyfriend traveling. So that's been um, really inspiring. I'm excited to see what comes out of all this. And then do you have a tentative (laughs) date for release of the EP? We're hoping like February, and we're working on the album cover now, and the whole deal was Mm -hmm. gone. Okay, and then, guys, you're going to have to come back when the EP is ready to be released in February, and we'll just continue this conversation then. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Take care. Singer Rebecca Angel and four-time Grammy-winning producer Jason Miles here on the Mulberry Lane Show. We'll be right back with a more new age Christmas vibe. It's artists and theorists. Keep it here with your radio sisters. The Mulberry Lane Show brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. My favorite time of the year. A time for family and those dear. When sleigh bells ring. Got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, if you guys need a new holiday album to download for this season, check out the new release by New Age artist Antherius. Now, it's called Distant Christmas. And recently, the single has been nominated for a Hollywood Music in Media Award. And Antherius is here to chat all about it. Welcome, welcome to the show, Antherius. Glad to be here. Good to have you. So when were you actually recording this album? It took uh, several years. I, okay. This is the first time I've done Christmas music, and it's challenging in the Houston summertime to uh, be uh, sitting in a studio working on Christmas tracks. But I've been wanting to do this for almost seven, eight years. That's when I started you know, laying down tracks. Uh-huh. You put a lot of time, energy, and thought into you know, the songs you chose and, and how you put it together. I think I did. I had several objectives. I wanted to try to cover some music you just don't hear on the normal channels. I've got one original on there. Uh, there were a few on there from Burt Campford that I liked as a child, but somehow just sort of fell out of rotation over the years. So I thought, well, I'll just cover those and see if I can bring those back to life. So uh, that was one of the, the goals for the song. But yes, I did work quite a bit and uh, poured everything I could into it. Your sound is compared to a combination of like Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Mannheim Steamroller, and Jim Brickman. 
I'd say it's accurate. I'm, you know, a studio artist. It's all instrumental. I, I can't sing worth a nickel. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, my influences were the Moody Blues, ELO, Enya, okay. Chris Spears. So you'll see a mixture of these things with some rock beats. You'll hear some ambient textures, some strings, some horns. But then there's some complexity, some metal sounds. So now, when you're in the studio creating this, what's the decision-making <laughs> process like for you? Well, I'm an engineer by uh, profession. Okay. Uh, that's sort of how I got into music, being a radio DJ at FM stations okay. and uh, a musician on the side. Uh, engineers, by their very nature, can't let things sit. And uh-huh. one of the funny things about the song that is getting all the attention is the one I spent probably the least amount of time with. And <laughs> the same thing happened with my previous CDs. You know, I uh-huh. worked a bunch on others, and I was like, let me throw in one more, and I'll work on it real quickly. But it, it seems like it's the tracks that I spend the least amount of time with. Uh-huh get all the attention and, and I, I struggle with that a little bit <laughs> yes so now I, i'm assuming you're talking about december carol that's the one that's been nominated for a hollywood music and media award yes quite surprised by that and, and that was one that a lot of stations in the in the u.s and abroad are, are picking up for uh-huh. the holidays uh, very excited about that yeah very cool is there a song on this album you originally started not really knowing if it would make the cut or not but became like the sleeper song for you that does happen. I'd have to say uh, Jesu Bambino surprised me. The horns, the cathedral organ, church organ in there, and, and just the pieces sort of flow together. But I think artists in general, you know, they tend to, speaking for myself, you know, what we like is very frequently different than what people like. Right, so that's true. I think yeah. we're very hard on ourselves, and we don't have to be. Good thing to remember. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Antherius here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You've got the engineer side of you, and you've got the creative creator side of you. Do you see those as opposite forces, or do you see those as, as complementary? Well, well, obviously, you need a, a little bit of both. The paradigms or the thinking are, are quite different. You know, one's a left-sided brain activity. The other is a right-sided brain. In the, in the creative mode, and I think this is true for anyone who's artistic, uh, whether it's writing books or music, have to be sort of in a state of mind where they're clear of uh, distractions like the it's technology. True. So when my equipment, you know, goes on the fritz and I have to work with software and, you know, debug things or just kind of, the systems are so complicated. Yeah. When that occurs, it just com- completely will take you out of that. that. Take me completely out of the creative mode. And, and it's very frustrating. And, you know, I'm not alone with that. You know, we all have to do oh, yeah. but it can be very frustrating. Uh, and always at the wrong works. time, those things happen when you're in the middle of a really good thought or a musical it's, it's, sequence. It that way. I yeah. hit the save button a lot because uh, you lose things. And today's technology, you can't get it backwards. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, nice to get to know you as an artist better. The name of the album is Distant Christmas. The artist is Antherius. Antherius, thanks for joining the show. And what do you hope people take away when listening to this album? Like I hope if, uh, you know, it, it gives something to you, uh, you know, music being the, the icing on the cake of life. Uh, <laughs> uh, if it can impart, amplify some good feelings, well, then I've reached my goal. Absolutely. Thank you for joining the show, Antherius. Thank you. Take care. Christmas. Thanks, Antherius, for joining the show and telling us all about your musical journey. Allie. Okay, well, big hugs today to Candace Knight. She told you about her group Blackmore's Night. It's her project along with her husband, 
Richie Blackmore of the bands Deep Purple and Rainbow. And Candace, thanks for sharing your Renaissance Christmas music. And I don't think we've ever had anyone on the show before that has played seven Renaissance instruments. <laughs> Kudos to you, girl. Yep, for following where the music leads you, even if you had to time travel back a few centuries ago. That's right. And a big thank you to singer Rebecca Angel and four-time Grammy Award-winning producer Jason Miles. Thanks for bringing your project to the show today. And you can add Rebecca's song, My Favorite Time of Year, to your parties this weekend. That's right. And finally, Elizabeth Chan, thanks for bringing your inspirational story of changing careers from a very executive type job to the creative Christmas music market. You rocked it and you proved that it's possible. So thanks for bringing your story to us today and check out her holiday EP, Songs for Noel. It will truly bring your Christmas to the next level. Okay, well, Christmas is right around the corner and we would love to see your faces this Sunday night. Downtown Omaha, St. Mary Magdalene Church, 11 p.m. Your Radio Sisters in concert, Mulberry Lane, an hour acapella of your favorite Christmas hymns. You're going to hear everything from Silent Night to O Holy Night to O Little Town of Bethlehem to the First Noel. It's free and open to all denominations. We start singing at 11 p.m. Get there by 10.30, 10.45 to get a seat. There's always room to stand in the back. Yes, this is one of our favorite concerts of the year. And it's a time where we can really share our hearts with you and to really celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. So St. Mary Magdalene Downtown Church, Sunday night, be there. All right, well, the stockings are hung. The presents are almost wrapped. We got the eggnog waiting in the fridge and the whiskey in the cabinet. (laughs) Have a great Christmas. We'll see you next weekend for our New Year's show. That's right. Take care and have a wonderful, warm holiday. A wish from your radio sisters. Love you guys. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be holiday awesome. Rachel, that's a Christmas wrap. <laughs> <laughs>